what's ironic is it's like as much as these people like you know these like jordan peterson types like to like talk about postmodernism, like that's the most postmodern thing i can think of is the idea that your reality can be so subjective as to like you know as as for you to just rely on Ooh. on these beliefs without like you know without any clarification from the outside world without like <laughs> Any conference of like, is this what you think too? Is this like, does this help or hurt you? You know, without dialectic, basically. Yeah. You know, like, um, yeah, like it's just, it's, it's like the, it's the total epitome of like an atomized and alienated individualist like ideology. I was just reading uh, Capital Realism, (coughs) Realism, actually, and I didn't realize, and it was interesting, like, right off the bat, it's like, capitalist realism is just another term for postmodernism, basically, and he's just saying, like, yeah, with capitalism, the complete, and as you were saying in the the podcast, too, like, I, uh, I didn't pick up exactly what you were saying, like, that capitalism is what takes away the, uh, the sacredness of iconography in Christianity and everything, like, that's right. Yeah. It's it's yeah. It is what monetizes it. It's what takes away any intrinsic value from it and lays yeah. it to the dollar. <laughs> it's uh yeah. It's it's like that's what happens when things are commoditized and like things that are sa- that are once sacred become commoditized out of necessity through capitalism because capitalism is an ever expanding thing that requires new commodities to come into play, and that's why like that's under capitalism you end up with commoditized like literal like you know, children in sex trafficking yeah, and stuff like that. Like it just, it, it, it's, it's disgusting and it's horrible, but it kind of becomes inevitable when you Anything operate on like, right. Yeah. It's an infinite system of market expansion. It's going to get into places that we don't want it to get into. What's that one tweet, Jennifer, um, that like late capitalism leads to cultural rot or whatever. And, and then the neoliberal is like, but what if we monetize the rot? <laughs> that'll fix it that'll learn her (laughs) yeah i was wondering um while reading capitalist realism like what gene rot because i I haven't gotten to any part yet where he talks about uh star trek which seems like even though it's inherently colonial um this idea of the front the final frontier and like uh you can't like just talk to these people without imposing your morality on them somehow and everything um, yeah. and interfere yeah. in their lives just coming from the sky um, but but Gene Roddenberry yeah, like how, sorry <laughs> just, like, I'm Ro- just thinking of Star Trek and how like how often they they say we can't interfere but like just by visiting there they enti- alter the entire course of their history <laughs> like, it's yeah. like every week I feel I feel like he was aware of that too like I feel like he had to be because he's like always making it a thing but um he did, like they did, never solve that contradiction yeah yeah, well, you, I don't. I think that's the point. Is like you can't. But also, I thought it was interesting. Like I did. I don't know if you mentioned this Star Trek later in there, but like Star Trek does take place in a post scarcity society, and I'm curious what both of them now, what both uh, Gene Rod- Roddenberry and uh, Mark Fisher would think of uh, cryptocurrency and non fungible tokens. <laughs> oh my god. I oh mean, it's inevitable, right? All of that shit is inevitable too. It's like yeah. let's make up fake money and yeah, like everybody will invest it. Well, I mean, like honestly, I don't think that that's much different. Like, I mean, like with like um, the NFTs and stuff, I don't think that's much different from like when copyright law yes. was first like created. You that's know, true. like 
you know, you, you can monetize ideas and you can like put like price tags on on something intangible. You know, <laughs> do you like, remember I don't, when, I don't think it's when, like a, a brand new development. Do you remember when Kim Kardashian tried? Well, maybe you don't remember because y'all are probably too cool for celebrity news. <laughs> but Kim Kardashian once tried to copyright the word kimono. Oh, for wow. some brand that she was, yeah, uh, um, imperialism. Yeah, <laughs> and there's so much backlash that she literally changed the entire name of the product. Mm. I feel like there was something yeah. else like that recently, but I can't remember. It was some other like just completely banal term that somebody tried to copyright or trademark. Taylor uh, Swift I... successfully uh, copyrighted the phrase uh, "shake it off." Wow. Wow. Talk about a uh, white supremacy. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> she fucking built that on white paper. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, motherfuckers are copyrighting colors now. Like, oh, that's true. Yeah, all the trademarks colors fucking, like Coca-Cola. I think that's fucking crazy. It like, started yeah. with like, uh, visual, Tiffany Blue. Yeah. Tiffany Blue visual is the first light. one. Oh well. You're you're trying to own visual light. Like what the fuck? Yeah, you're literally just buying the copyright to like a piece, like a few letters and numbers and sequence, basically. Like that's the only yeah. way you can actually copyright it. <laughs> I mean, if you've ever read Capital, I've never finished it, but like um, oh, when it starts to talk about like money form and like how like money like money is described value, like it's just that's it. That shit's all fucking like. Hocus Pocus too, like, well, yeah. like that I really kind of doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I Even to the enough. gold standard when it had a material basis didn't make any fucking sense. Yeah, I, I was I listened to enough of Capital of him talking about like the cloth and everything to it understand it. Like, like, oh yeah, this is all bullshit. <laughs> armed, just like armed. I I like the idea of just like people just guarding like a room, a like rooms full of gold bars, like in James with James Bond. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's like fucking Willy Wonka. What the like? What is this? This is seriously like the basis of our economic standard. I mean, the basis of our economic standard is probably actually like just art that is just kept in these vaults in Sweden or whatever. Like that's where all the value is. It's just art that nobody can look at. I mean, like all the money that like is in their bank accounts, like literally, don't exist. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, it's just like, all tallies. Like, yeah, yeah. It's just like it's just people are just keeping score. It's just yeah. a score somewhere. And that's how that's yeah. how Bitcoin and everything works, is it decentralizes that process, which it took me a while to understand, but I I started to understand it once I understood the fact that like and it's weird that like we don't have a digital currency in the United States still, even though like mm-hmm. it feels like can we just like isn't all of this stored in computers already? <laughs> like, I, I my brain can't make yeah. that leap yet to how our fiat currency is not well, already digital. Well, in Europe, like all the prices are always reflect all the taxes are always reflect reflected in the final prices, and Americans can't even do that. Like yeah, the right. American financial system cannot even account for taxes. Well, yeah, I mean they also the like they also don't have to. F- like get turbo tax to filter taxes the government just sends them a bill in europe oh <laughs> <laughs> like it's just 
yeah, more. I don't know how it works. Something funny about I was I spent a semester in Europe, and one interesting difference is that in Europe, you know how you use a credit card in America, nobody checks its shit, right? Like you yeah. just swipe it, and they're like, the item is paid for. My life, like my job here is complete. In Europe, like I had never signed the back of my credit card. In Europe, <laughs> they were like, why is this not signed? Why is this credit card not Weird. signed? Yeah. I would. And like they like check your they check and like sometimes they even check your ID. They check your signature to your ID and oh, they wow. like look at it, like make sure it's you and everything. God, like in America, you could f- fucking have like Donald Trump's credit card as a nor- like and nobody would say shit. Well, I mean, I work for an e-commerce company and like something we keep running into recently <clears throat> is um, these people that get a bunch of credit cards with dark web and then they. They, they get like some communication in between our, the website and the credit card processor. And then they just keep feeding credit cards into it with the wrong address, the wrong zip code, the wrong uh, CVV. And like some of the times, like it still just works. And like, I have to keep mm-hmm. an eye on that to make, I have like all these alerts now. They come to my phone. So oh, yeah. I know if we're starting to get a suspicious activity, I've always fraud, I've set up all these fraud uh, filters too to try to prevent it. But, like, in the end, I still have to, like, keep an eye on my phone in case I get an alert at, like, fucking 11 o'clock at night saying, like, hey, this one token's been used uh, 15 times. Like, Oh, God. And, and I have to go Ty, in. And, yeah. 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 Um, my boyfriend used to work in the fraud department at Capital One. And people, first of all, people, I think the worst, he said the worst is that people take advantage of their older relatives all the fucking time. Oh, constantly. That's so terrible. <laughs> And um, the second is that people will fill out credit cards as celebrities and then, like, just expect that it's going to go. But he said Timothy Oliphant really did send in an application for a credit card one time. But he uh, and they had to uh, go through some special department to have it checked or something. Weird. There's a if you want to learn how to do that, though. um, (laughs) uh, Credit card fraud. I think. uh, if you ever listen to the, the rap group Dead Prez, oh, really? their song, <laughs> Hell Yeah, I think it's like the second verse, like it <laughs> details like how to commit credit card fraud, like by use, like, you know, getting in contact with somebody else and like, you know, switching off, um, uh, you know, your personal information. So like it can't actually be tracked to a single person. Oh man. You know, yeah. then, like, and get the credit card, uh, uh, buy a bunch of stuff, return it, uh, pocket the money. And then, uh, Report the card stolen. <laughs> oh man! And then oh, so rinse, yeah. repeat, rinse repeat. Yeah, the idea is that no. no I hope loss. that's being recorded. I hope that's being recorded for everybody. It is. Yeah. I mean, it was. It, it was. I got this from a CD. I got yeah. this from like, yeah, like, and it was a major label who put it out. So if anything, I'm just I'm a victim. <laughs> um, Violent strings music. I got my credit card number stolen. Um. I can't remember. I think it was like at a gas station. I think they do like this. They have a where oh. they have like a, th- a device in there or something. Yeah, they slip it in and you can't tell. Yeah. And I just kept seeing like double $30 charges from gas stations everywhere. And I was like, what? <laughs> uh, I had some, uh, I got, somebody took a bunch of money from my EDD card, which like, I was like, I was, I was. <laughs> It was like five hundred bucks. I spent like five hundred dollars of like my 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 benefits. Oh wow! I was like so fucking upset. And then I looked at the charges and like 
they spent a bunch of money at like most of it was like at CVS, and then they got like they spent like eighty dollars at Olive Garden. I was like, Man, y'all were poor as fuck. Like I can't be like I can't be that mad at you. Yeah, I'll do the same thing probably. Like well, you can still you get know? your stuff back without them getting caught. Probably. I, I, yeah, exactly. Yeah. The like, company I mean, is liable. Like, I want I want Bank of America to pay for that. Like, yeah, it's yeah, their fault as far as I'm considered. The fact that like my government benefits are going through a private bank, like get the fuck out of here. Yeah, that's bullshit. Yeah, really, that's how it works. I have a we got yeah, EBT the bank cards. Of debit card. Okay, well, I we got EBT cards this year. Everybody in our county did. Um, parents did for the school so that kids would have food to eat. Um, and I hope they just keep that program. You know, even That's if they idea. make it like an income based something or but God, it's been so I've been using the EBT card with groceries. <laughs> I didn't know you could use it for other things. EBT? Yeah. Oh, I, I don't think you can. I'm talking. Uh, oh. oh, I haven't uh, had that uh, one. On the point. On the point. Yeah. When I was pregnant and much worse financial situation and like breastfeeding and all of that, I was on WIC. And mm. Wick is so yeah. complicated and like super specific. It's all of them are. Like, my friend was, <laughs> and uh, she yeah. had to go to like food pantries and stuff to supplement. We all actually have to go to the food pantries around that time. This is in Indiana. Oh really? <laughs> I was getting food from the food pantry in Indiana. I didn't know yeah. that. You're getting paid more than I was. Because like you get all these juices, and but you don't get like. Like, they're so particular, the items you get through Wick. And so I got this grape juice, and I turned the grape juice into grape jelly. Nice. Yeah. Resourceful, yeah. Yeah, from what I remember, because um, Goodnight would actually go to the food pantries all the time. Yeah. And then like, he'd pick me up some stuff, like, you know, industrial, like, things of greens and bread and shit. <laughs> That's awesome. He was like, yeah, like, because most of the people that go there are, you know, they're, they're tweakers. Uh, and they all get sugar shit to help with like their come downs. So like, uh, <laughs> so, like they never get the vegetables or anything. So like it's it's all fucking wide open. One know? one other thing about uh, private about the government using private banks for our money. All of our there since there is no public banks, our tax our tax money goes is held in private banks, who then use that money to invest on like wall street and stuff to make more money for themselves, which is one of the things, which is one of the arguments behind having a public banks is that then we can all use that money collectively to better our society. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, I've got an idea. Yeah. Let's not do the podcast, but let's do the first page and the last page and then continue the conversation that we're having. I was going to say, um, we could just try to do the thing where we read it as fast as possible. Because we've already been talking for half an hour. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> for the 40 minutes. For 40 minutes? Mm-hmm. Well, that's what my... F- Maybe I've been on here longer because it's... Oh, I started recording 25 minutes ago because I didn't want to get too personal stuff. Okay, we can try to do it as fast as possible. All right. All right. That's fine. Okay. So I'm still going to use this thingy because I already fucked it up. Yeah, that's fine. I like it. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. We ruined your uh, theme. What thing? What? We ruined your theme. What theme? The distortion theme. Oh, I'm assuming that for me. <laughs> I, I, I'm distorting, so. Yeah, yeah, I need to. Uh, I need to. Ma- I need to <laughs> hook my contact mic up to something so I can do something cool. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, okay. We can come back to this one. Yeah. Whatever. I mean, nobody's listening anyway. So. 
okay. I'm coughing into my elbow like I'm gonna like spread germs across the fucking laptop into your homes directly. I actually thought about putting on a mask before this one. I don't know why. But... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's go. Okay, uh so this is I we haven't talked about a name, I guess. I guess we'll call it I was thinking I was just thinking podcasting. We are podcasting in a room. Sure, why not? Okay. Can't guarantee I'll be in the room the whole year, but yeah. <laughs> oh shit. Uh wait, what do you mean? Well, after we have to we have to say like we have to do this every Okay, but I still I thought you meant you weren't sure you were going to be in a room, like you were think going to fuck i can't read that fast you're going to lose your space or something <laughs> no i mean this space well, i'm losing space and i'm just basically okay so i'm sorry go for well, well that's it i'm rob and i'm here with brandon and jennifer c martin and uh i don't know uh how uh how would you guys how do you guys think you prefer to die and when we could also just talk over each other <laughs> yeah that's a good idea well you want to just, <laughs> just race to see who goes through all their fucking life oh fuck that's a good idea <laughs> Well, when you told me to think okay. about this, I had terrible uh, nightmares. Oh man, I'm and jealous. I never have, like, this I is even that's honestly because of nightmares. me. You had saying you don't believe in like uh, I know you. You're heavily Christian. You don't believe in. Are you not? I had, is it? Does this afterlife scare you? Right. And you don't even have like a. Yeah, I mean, before you even have a conscious time, like. I don't even understand purgatory. Like, that's supposed to. Are you supposed to? Is there like an emotional state in purgatory, or is it just supposed to be boring because it's the same? I don't even know your religious background, uh, Brennan. I've known you. I don't know even know your religious background. I think I've known you longer. Really? Yeah, like this is really happened. Like you know, you gotta believe. Oh, that's not my line. Is that true? But like, believe herself in and of itself. Do women have one less rib? It's like, oh, you believe this way? Are you a little longer than life for all time? Yeah. I just never thought about it. Like, it never occurred to me to check a partner's rib or anything. I don't. I just don't understand. Like how people can be like a literalist when the first two pages of the Bible contradict each other about the creation and like about like when men and women were created and how and just I don't know it's weird and well I never really thought heard of a book flatters or Jewish person. Yeah, wasn't there a Bill Hicks joke too about like what's to say on the front of the Bible, King James Bible? Yeah. I've never actually been able to get through it because I'm too dumb. Like, I can't read Shakespeare. I had to read the Balderized version in high school, and I don't know. My brain just doesn't function that way. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I mean, every day going on Twitter, it takes like 15 minutes to figure out what people are saying, like what the words they're saying mean anymore. 
because there's just new references every fucking day. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true, actually. That was the entire point, wasn't it? It was something he was communicating to two different audiences on two different levels. That was, like, part of the genius of it. Uh, I mean, yeah, thinking about Rhapsodies, too, I like, think about just how Christians still use what they call as Hallelujah, it's like a religious song constantly. Yeah, I mean, John yeah. Cale, uh, the guest story, I don't know if you guys know, have like, heard the story behind the current iteration of Hallelujah, but apparently when they come, they have a kind of verse into it, and we just, yeah, and we'd perform random verses live, and one time John Cale had a performance, and he was like, hey, I want to do a cover of that, can you send me the lyrics, and then I think he sent him the page of the lyrics, and he said, hmm, just look out the naughty bits, and made a little song. Yeah, I mean, I can't write any, so yeah, it would be nice. I, I wonder if John Cale still has all the original lyrics that he faxed him because he's dead. I mean, Leonard Cohen's dead now, so I don't know of any record of the other verses unless there's like recordings of live performances from them. Um, but I don't remember. Uh, uh, yeah, how do you want to die? Yeah, yeah. Uh, in what way? Yeah. Do you want to have like a gunpoint in your face? Like, is that what you're talking about? What's it? What about an animal? Hmm. Uh, well, one thing well, I'm really curious about actually is like to look like having dementia. Oh God, to, like, I, I want to you know, I don't, I don't know what that feels like, but then also I'm able to yeah, live my, my life with reference like, like yeah, long, long mine too. Like, you know, yeah, yeah, even just living at home. Yeah, yeah, Jesus, that's not my life. I'm just bored, like basically. But um, yeah, I don't know. The whole thing of having dementia is so interesting to me because of how long they can just be like clueless, or they can really cheery, like my grandfather was, like he would always. Just repeat, uh, Rosa Martini, how's my how about in Manhattan? Um, and uh, just other weird catchphrases, or like other people that like really get really angry and like scared to some extent. I don't know. That's one thing I really wish we could get to is like I remember hearing or reading something when I was in the little about how in the future we're going to have pills where you can experience consciousness. I'm really curious, like that's just like what is it like? What's it like? Because uh, I just wonder like how much of our thoughts are our memories to find our consciousness, consciousness like, like how much of consciousness is just memory and then just without consciousness is like but I guess if, if you come to I don't know yet mine I don't know this is like around the same time I remember hearing about this around the same time I heard about HCD for the first time years before it came out which was like oh yeah in the future we're going to have TVs that are like definition you never wonder that just like what it's like to be a Celeste's head <laughs> how do you just like maybe but like yeah I mean but also I'm just like art isn't art in general and like writing and stuff isn't just communication giving a glimpse of someone's into your consciousness even though Oh, right. That seems to actually remind me. I've never done acid or shrooms or any hallucinogenics, but I've read about them a lot because the culture has a lot of facets that interest me and, like, isn't this sort of what, um, like, Ken Casey and Charles Manson and stuff like to do with acid a lot of times. It's just, like, to have a collective consciousness and everybody... So we experience the same brain. Uh, I'm not sure. Okay. Hmm. A non-transactional society. Right. It's mostly, are you talking about the mostly like rhythm-based sort of stuff too? Like more improvised and, right. Yeah. Yeah, no. What about like instruments? Uh, so were they, were they, did they have to like find their voices in a specific instrument or anything? The way, say, way we tend to think about it, like everybody's specific guitar tone and everything? 
thing. Right. Yeah, I don't know. 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 I, yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, like, the next thing that comes up is a great consolidation. Like, you can't unring a power. All these things, like, all these things, all these disparate content things. Yeah, maybe do I. That's probably not possible. We'll see. Oh, my fucking God. Well, like how to talk to stuff like yeah. a line, like you have yeah. like these moments just there. Yeah. before being in the movie, like, 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 it already sort of exists. You go to YouTube, my roommate's kid, he showed, he just showed me the videos the other day. Like, it was just this guy, so he just, like, I guess he says some stuff, stuff yes. and he coded, picked yeah, up stuff of writer in the imager, or whatever, and he has a robot voice reading, and I was like, yeah, I guess you think it's all animated, as the program pulls all these readings, reads what it says, and fuck, I can't think. Satanic voices, and then it just plays all in for 10 minutes or whatever, and I think we're going to keep seeing more of that Eventually, we're just going I mean, to yeah, we're going to know. see uh, much uh, more I folks on curate on curation again. Yeah. Yes. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. God damn it! <laughs> I still have six pages left. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I guess what this comes down to is we're gonna reach the cultural singularity where just everything is always happening and everything is fleeting. Oh really? Yeah. Well, he's schizophrenic, right? Yeah. He, fuck. Where am I? <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's been a thing forever long now. Like, we watched, like, I mean, so many shows are based around the fact that you're not going to be watching the 
you're going to be reading, looking at your phone and watching videos in your phone while you're probably watching TV, probably fuck. And the person next to you is watching other videos. Uh, and Andy Warhol, or maybe Andy Warhol would be excited. I don't know, but yeah, it's it's interesting. How I don't know. I also think I never really thought about it actually about how production values simultaneously keep getting better, keep getting worse and better at the same time. The Eternal Now, and they were all filming in all the rooms all the time, right? It wasn't just like this is the exercise room where you get a break from this. Like, no, you were always content. Yeah, I mean, I, we were expecting this forever, I guess. I mean, between Andy Warhol, The Truman Show, ATV, uh, the one in the 90s, I remember my dad reading an article to me in the 90s about a woman that was just going to leave her webcam on all the time. And you could just check in and see what's up. Oh, really? Yeah, fuck. Why would I was saying, why would you do that? I guess, but I mean, like, yeah, yeah, what, we all remember, we have to stick out, like, I remember a girl in Okie Cupid when I was in, in Indiana, she had a video that she recorded at her going to bed and going to sleep, that was her profile, she just has some link to a live feed she had done, like, back when you could do that with Google Hangouts or YouTube and it was just like six hours and I just skipped through it and it was like yeah there she is sleeping yeah yeah well that's it that's about 40 minutes yeah yeah we're all chauvinists and boys in our own fucking way yeah alright well to cut down the torture in the future I think I'll cut <laughs> this off now alright so long fuck that took so long you're the slowest talker. You know what? I'm, but like from being in the South, like I um, feel like I don't understand people who talk as fast. And like, for instance, I took Spanish and I could always like understand it in text, but I cannot understand Spanish when people are speaking it because it's so fast. And I think it's oh, because yeah. growing up in the South, I'm just so used to slower paced talking. Well, I, I I was always told I talk fast, and I think I still do it when I get caffeinated or too excited. But maybe naturally, but not when you're reading. Oh yeah, I'm a slow reader though. That's the problem. I'm a mumbler because I'm from I was, Southern California. I was I was <laughs> I was like 14, so I was racing Brandon, but he definitely beat me. Oh yeah, Brandon is the clear winner. I don't know if he has the least lines or what though. Too. I think it's. I think I have. I don't think I have as many. I think I have the least amount of times that I like speak like in consecutive order, you know? Yeah. I have So like, yeah, at the very least I have the most concentrated amount of I have like the longest rants though. Like yeah. like I just go on like rants multiple times. And the only reason I uh it's not even longer is because like towards the end I think I just talked less. I think Brandon was just talking more. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah. That's sort of one of the things I was interested in is like how um, after that first conversation where you two are just meeting and the three of us had never talked before, like oh, yeah. <laughs> how weird it would be to repeat a conversation where we had just all talked for the first time together because like, yeah, yeah obviously stuff like that's going to happen too. Like, uh, like we're just going to dip in and out as we mm -hmm. figure out our grooves, but I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that there are like our parts in the script where I can be like, right. I'm not, I'm not yeah. so, like, I can kind of zone out for a little bit. Yes. I don't think I have that. You don't yeah, have that. Rob no, doesn't. So. Yeah. Rob's there. Okay, the so time. I don't like reading you. Yeah, I I try to maintain like the great like the gracious hosts like they kept 
like making sure everybody's being acknowledged all the time and everything's flowing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I wish I hadn't talked at down. all. Like, <laughs> what, I wish there was a there's a period where Rob was like, well, like let's wrap it up. It's been thirty minutes, and then I keep fucking talking. I initiated yeah. the conversation to go another fifteen <laughs> pages. I know. I never think at the time. Like I was like, I only want this to be a half hour. I don't want to free too much. And then you kept oh, going. Oh, really? I, like, I thought like. I, I didn't know what to think. I, I, I guess I just assumed. I was just be. having fun talking. No, I Honestly, know. when I agreed to do this podcast, I didn't yeah. know what I was doing. Like, this I was is like, like, like the dead middle of like the fucking quarantine. Like, yeah. Yeah. I haven't spoken to anybody for weeks. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is like back in January. Yeah. Or yeah. Same. Like, yeah. Half of this and... is me trying to remember what my voice sounded like. Yeah, this is before the spring. This is like right in the dead of winter. <laughs> I like being asked to come on podcast. And, like, so I was just excited um, to talk. Like, I love to fucking talk, honestly, and I love to talk <laughs> about myself. And, like, I guess that's, like, I mean, it's not just myself. So I may, I'm I get, I'm a little tiny bit, like, I, I don't want to say self-centered. I don't think I'm all the, the shit or anything. I'm plenty flawed, but I do enjoy talking about myself, but only in the level that I can connect to others. And I like to hear other things that people say. Yeah. I think, I think having, like, uh a sincere kind of perspective in general is like a good thing to present, like regardless of, yeah. as much as I like talk about against or talk against individualism, I, I don't like the idea of like, you know, um, not wanting to like to champion somebody to use their own voice, you know, yeah, for you things don't. and like to, and to like, you know, to, yeah, like to communicate with other people that way. When I was a kid, I used to, um, and this is the most high tech I ever got, but I had a tape recorder <laughs> and I used to do like pretend interviews with like fucking like stuffed animals and Barbies and shit. That's cool. Yeah. And then this, and then also this is another precursor to my life. I used to have my Barbies be in all sorts of like, for some reason I had just like a shit ton of like girl Barbies and then like <laughs> two boy Barbies and so, like, I just had a shit ton of just, like, crazy nonstop relationship romance drama. All my <laughs> Barbies were, really, like, cheating. Like, like I don't even know. Uh, maybe polyamory, but it's not like I had a concept. Like, I had never been around another polyamorous person ever. I had no concept of it. But I guess, like, in this thing, I did. And then, like, I think I had, like, girls dating each other without, like, knowing what that meant. Uh, like, yeah. I... Like, and then, like, I remember taking one because I didn't have enough boy Barbies. I took one of my Barbies and, like, cut off all its hair and, like, tried to fucking cut off its boobs and everything. Damn. To Damn. try it. A Barbie had a crisis. Yeah, like, just nonstop. <laughs> my, I made my that's, Barbies have drama. That's fucking awesome. Like, I think, you know, I, I, I've read, like, articles about, um, you know, like, the importance of, like, play for kids you know and and play is like i i, yeah. I forget who designated like this definition <laughs> of play but that's like it's it's meant to not be productive you know it's it's meant to like be like right. specifically exploratory there's no like pr like primary objective to play you're just supposed to like yeah give kids tools and kind of let them do whatever they want to and like and, and figure out things for themselves and like make up their own rules so like i like i i, I like that that's a that's a nice story i like the idea yeah. of like um you know you're effectively challenging like gender roles and heteronormativity within yeah. your play because it's like 
you know. And it's uh, weird because I had no context for that at all growing mm-hmm. up. But you, I mean, you 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 did have a context for heteronormativity though, which is I yes. think is interesting. You know, so like you you having this kind of implicit desire to want to like ex like explore beyond that. Yeah. Even in your play is interesting. I think that's cool. I'm going to pay more attention. My kids play a lot of, um, they have a lot of stuffed animals. And of course, you know, kids these days, very screen centric. And I try to be balanced about it. Like, cause they do creative stuff. Like now they're doing some coding program and everything. Um, but then of course I make them have no screen time and my, they, my, especially my youngest, they like to play with their stuffed animals and things like that in really intensive ways. A couple times they've had me record puppet shows where like they call them puppet shows, but they're just like stuffed animals and <laughs> the, and like they yeah. even like make me like put them and I have them on private link YouTube, of course, like private link, yeah, yeah. but they put them on YouTube so that they can watch them again. And I do not know what's happening at all. Like I do not oh. understand the plot at all. <laughs> I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> But, like, they watch those videos. My youngest asks to watch those videos at least once a week. Can we watch the puppet show on YouTube? That's oh. interesting. Cause yeah. Like, I remember hearing before theories about the future of media <clears throat> with the hyper-fragmentization of like, the super ADHD nature of media with these kids are growing up with. Like, how long for media can exist after that? Like, when this generation is old enough to start making media. I mean, we're starting to see with Generation Z, I guess. But, um, like, we're, like they're, maybe be, they're maybe getting their toes wet now. Like, they're not really... There's that one kid who has a show on yeah, HBO. Yeah, my, my oldest asked for a video camera, and I said that I would try to get him one. A video camera nice. instead of just, like, a... He, doesn't, he wants, like, an actual video camera, not just, like, a phone camera. Yeah, like, I mean, I honestly, I would rather him have a video camera than a fucking phone. Yeah. So... <laughs> Yeah, because like it's 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 utilitarian. It's focused on one mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, I I feel like there's going to be if I could like if if I could place my best guy. I don't, I don't know, but I feel like there's um, at some point soon there's going to be a rejection of the kind of like uh, the very like quick edit, instant gratification type of media. Yeah, I tried to um, talk about that in the podcast. Like, What's that? I started to talk about that the podcast, like with all this fragmentization, all this fragmentization of like mm. taking all mm. of these moments and these elements of what we used, what we would appreciate in a larger mm. narrative. Like at some point, uh-huh. like they're just gonna, there's gonna have to be a great consolidation, is what I said. Yeah, and like they're gonna have to be incorporated, and they'll probably be more emphasized now than they were previously, like ASMR and everything. But like, mm. I yeah, at some point, like I mean, I feel like you see this, like. You see, like, uh, vaudeville become cinema, but cinema at first was, like, mostly, like, like shorter films and, like, newsreels and stuff. Mm. But then you right, saw it right, expand, right. and then you saw it collapse again. And I feel like that's all society is over and over again. It's just the same process mm-hmm. of, like, uh, like fragmenting and then consolidating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, um, I mean, it's interesting to think of in, the, in like... Uh, like in the context of consumerism too, because I think I think like that has like a big <laughs> that has a big part in it. I think like um, there is this kind of rejection now of the instant gratification that kind of comes with like uh, you know with like with neoliberal capitalism. Yeah. You know? Right. 
like and i think we've kind of seen that like just even in like you know like during quarantine like uh, where people were sort of uh talking about like you know that cottage core shit yeah oh man i'm a big fan and yeah. wanting to like they like realizing that um you know that like this this society that's like that's you know like being uh i guess um being entirely reliant on consumer culture to where you can just go to a store or even like access the internet and and grab things that you need yeah order delivery it's, it's, yeah like it, i mean it showed that it can't it, it's 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 unreliable you know yeah like when you're you know when you have to fucking ration out toilet paper and stuff like you start to lose faith in the system. <laughs> so i think people are starting to realize okay like we have to learn some basic skills for survival we have to learn how to garden we have to learn how to feed ourselves we have to learn yes. how to clothe ourselves like all of these like diy projects a lot of it is just centered on like replacing having to buy things yes you know on the flip side I only read I only read the first three chapters of Capitalist Realism, but um, because it was just like right before we came on the mic. <laughs> but what he talks about in those first three chapters too, um, with Capitalist Realism and modernism and postmodernism, is the fact that like the frontier ends. So what happens is culture cannibalizes itself and just is constantly constant revivals and everything. And I feel like that's all this is too, honestly. Like it's just capitalism yeah. sustaining itself. Like we're all getting bored, so we're seeking a new novelty. <clears throat> and the novelty is the thing that we abandoned, so now we can bring it back to experience that again. <laughs> right, but I think that's I think that's within the the I think that's within a consumerist framework, you know. But I mean, that's all um, there is. That's capitalism. Right. Realism, is that everything's a consumerist framework? <laughs> yeah, like but like honestly, I don't think that that necessarily applies to things like. Um, like like a, a mass interest in like in 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 like in having sustainable skills, and, you know, which is the which is what we saw after. Oh yeah, you know, I mean, like, because because Fisher, I mean, he wrote Capitalism. This is pre this is pre pandemic. This is like you know, this is as much as 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 much as there is to like to, to learn from that and to kind of like understand the like the like the the ideological like <clears throat> superstructure of capitalism. Um, you know, it's like, I think it has to be updated with an understanding of like these, like these capitalist crises of, of like, of this past, like these past couple of years, you oh, know? Well, that's interesting. Like, I, I think, I think he's right in that these um, like, you know, this kind of innate need to like, to want to be self-sufficient is going to be capitalized on. People are absolutely going to make a lot of money from this idea of self sustainability, and like that's that's you know that's going to happen. Like the interest alone is not going to break people out of that, and it's not necessarily going to start sowing uh, anti capitalist sentiments, you know. But I think that like, but I think what it shows is that there is this natural, um, there is this natural drive <laughs> for people to want to to be willing to like abandon these like you know certain um uh comforts and like and conveniences that capitalism provides you if right. if it means that like they'll be safer in the long run for it however you look back at the 60s and 70s uh, mm-hmm. and you look at the period well i mean you see like the everything becoming huge in the 60s like we have the the suburbs uh become a thing in the 60s you all have appliances mm-hmm. for everything um 
music becomes electrified and amplified, uh, mm-hmm. portable. Um, everything becomes much bigger, and then we hit a point of stagflate. Was it called stagflation or um, the point where there was no inflation or deflation? Um, <coughs> during like the Carter years, I can't remember the term for it. Um, but like you saw this huge movement in capitalism and prosperity. Um, mm-hmm. and then some of the bomb flung off from under that and concurrent to those two things that I don't know that they're necessarily related was the back to earth movement was the hippie communes, uh, that were <laughs> going off the grid that were growing their own vegetables. That's when like organic, uh, I think really became a, thing uh like with dr bronner's like in the 60s and everything mm. oh man i love to read a dr bronner's model yeah uh but i mean just like but then following that was reagan with deregulation mm-hmm. which then put the economy put the <laughs> gdp into like hyperdrive and yeah. everything became much more bigger again and everything became much faker again. Then we started getting TV dinners and we started getting MTV. Then we started getting just much more, uh, we got more synth, uh, synths again, even though there was a rejection of that with punk rock and everything and like rejection of Emerson, like and Palmer and everything. Then we were back to synths. Mm. We were back to like this falseness and we have David Bowie with bleach blonde hair, slick back hair, trying to become a Hollywood star. And like the eighties mm. and Donald Trump and like, I feel like we saw this happen already. <laughs> that's that's true. I will I will contend that um, the hippies, the people who were going to like who yeah who who wanted to live on communes and who wanted to do this, I contend that they they weren't really radical. No, they weren't. The they, were they weren't Marxists. They weren't. They weren't communists. Yeah. They weren't Marxists. You know, they were, if anything, and I I feel like I'm being kind here. I mean, I feel like I'm, it was uh, it was an they were trying to appropriate indigeneity. Well, they yeah. try, like, you know, hmm. I mean, like there, there were marks. I will say like the SD, <coughs> the SD was the SDS and what are underground stuff like, and uh, black Panthers and, uh, well, yeah, but I, I'm not, I'm not bringing the black Panthers into this stuff. The black, Pan- I know you what know, you mean. The black Panthers, yeah. like the white like, people in San Francisco, very different right? from right. a hippie. Kate Ashbury was very much libertarian in practice. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's, hmm. that's the thing. Like, and you know, uh, I, I guess too. you know this is this is also kind of a trend among libertarianism too, you know this like this knee jerk like uh, you know refusal to uh, you know to kind of depend on consumer society like the the doomsday prepper thing. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, know that is happening, but like, but you also saw that in a uh, uh, Twilight Zone. <laughs> yeah, that was always this the thing. Isn't really, the doomsday preppers. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's but I, I don't. I think it's. I think now. There's an awakening of political consciousness yes. that is that can e- much more easily be tied to this, you know. Um, you know, I think but, I think that like I I think that I think that this this there there there's a cycle that is that is kind of happening. I don't think that the cycle is like I don't think it's a tragic cycle though. I think it's an like I think it's an understandable one. Like it's a wave you know, building. Yeah the 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 problem is that like there isn't. Uh, there isn't an anti-capitalist critique surrounding it, right? Yes. And, and, you know, oh my and, like, god! Yeah, that's, the, that's the only too. thing. I don't like. Yeah, like for the hippies, like like you know, wanting to revert to communes, wanting to you know this this idea of or you know, um, uh, like like uh, like 
you know, farming co-ops and stuff like that. Those aren't bad ideas mm-hmm. at all, mm-hmm. but they don't like, um, they're not, they're not rooted in class struggle. They're not rooted in principled capitalist critique. Yes. You know, so they, so because that happens, it always ends up capitulating to capitalist forces. Right. It's it about... always ends up getting bought because there's no found, there's no ideological foundation for them, like that prevents them from being bought. Is craft work you know... not, uh, not appropriating the means of production? <laughs> Sorry, but go ahead, Jennifer. <laughs> no, I just wanted to say that I see this a lot in like the polyamory community. So, like, not to say that all polyamorous people are white, but the majority of people are out as polyamorous, you know, like, especially in like say leadership positions and like for instance me all my partners all white yeah and and they have this idea where it's all about liberation from these concerns of monogamy and heteronormativity for themselves and i don't think that they go much deeper than that to look at like how the other things that are going on here like the fact that like i live living in a house with multiple people makes it more community minded and more communitarian and, and like the right. benefits of that in the first place and why that would be so necessary. And it's like, and you get into like, and I guess it's sort of like they're the descendants of like these, you know, they were free love in the hippie movements or whatever. And today, you know, I feel like a lot of people, not that this is bad, but they concern them. I hate to use this phrase, God, that they concern themselves a lot with identity politics, you know. Yeah, right. I hate to use that phrase, but, but new, I know what you mean. I mean it's, it's, it's a necessary phrase, like, and I don't, I don't think it's it, it means it's it's good or bad one way or the other. But you're it's how like it's the, utilized. You're sure. talking about like I, the opp- oppression Olympics people. <laughs> yes. Oh my god. <laughs> liberal, it's it's just it's liberal identity politics yeah. for sure. I like, got in. Tr- yeah. I remember a it's, long it's time not intersectional, ago. so. I said that I didn't. I considered to polyamory to be more of a choice than, like, say, homosexuality or something. Yeah. And right. I got pretty roasted on the. Poly- I don't even get on Reddit very much, but on the Reddit polyamory board. People are really, really want to make their oppression look more that they want. I mean, it's understandable to want to make your oppression valid. You yeah. Know? But yeah. I, but I, but I think it's it's hard for people to. To think outside uh, of, of themselves. competitive terms. Yeah. Yeah. We're bred to be competitive. We're bred to be like, this needs to get more airtime. Like, yeah. you know, and like, this is more important. Like, you have to be speaking because, like, that's that's just how this fucking world works. Like, you, there, it's it's doggy dog, and there has to, there's a winner and loser in a competition. So people are just like conditioned to be like, my shit's more important because it affects them. And, and like, they don't really have empathy in a lot of ways, too. But, you know, um, like that's like that's like the liberal identity politics. It's 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 individualistic identity politics. It's not intersectional in any way. Identity politics is an important thing to understand, like from an intersectional mm-hmm. standpoint, to recognize like how these like how these different forms of repression kind of coincide, like you know, largely you know as a result of capitalism. You know? Yes, I have a question but, for you, Jennifer. Actually, um, okay, because it's about polyamory. Because I've had. Um, two partners in the past like five years or whatever that were mexican uh like from like born in mexico from mexico one was an au pair uh one moved here with her husband um but uh the first the au pair uh, uh first identify as solo poly which when it's a guy i really just think they're single but when it's a girl <laughs> i kind of like under i can sort of understand it to some extent um yeah. But uh, and the second one, 
was just Polly. I mean, I was yeah. her first partner, but like she was, she was, she, she believes like she wants to be in multiple relationships and everything. Right. And, um, something I haven't gotten much of this from the married girl. Um, but something I would get from the au pair, uh, when she was trying to date, uh, polyamorous people in the States was fetishization. Of, for sure. Yeah. For sure. And people um, have no, like, it's just like the worst types of people. I think like, I don't know. There's something toxic that comes with like sexuality where like if people are just like opening up and they're like, well, I want to explore this. And so they think, okay, well, I'm not having to do monogamy anymore. So like I can explore these other like kinks and desires I have. And it's just like, it becomes so much about them and what they want and what they, who they want to fuck and who they want the experiences they want to have that it becomes less about like the other person. Right. It's not about actual relationship. It's about like the, the one guy just kept commenting on her hair and it just like, it's super fucked up. It makes me wish that sex work was legal because I think sex work, like I think sex work should be legal. If not like for like couples who are seeking a third for a threesome fucking like phenomenal instead of just like, Oh, we want to buy girl and have like a weird thing and be possessive and jealous. Like that, like, like, you know, or just like, oh, I want to explore in the context of this. Like, it would be a lot. I don't know. I I don't know if it would be, like, more respectful or whatever, but it would probably lead to a lot less hurt feelings. Part two of my question now. Um, I've had this theory for a while, and I saw a headline that sort of uh, – I didn't read the article because <clears throat> I'm a millennial. But the headline sort of reinforced my theory that – um. Online dating has made interracial dating much more common. Um, I mean, when like when I look at my dating history, like Ooh. most of it is interracial, <laughs> and it's like not intentional. It's just uh, talking to people that aren't in my normal circles. It's um, an interesting thought. Yeah, and I'm wondering, and I'm surprised they would say. Uh, so there's two parts of this. Surprise, first surprise that you would think that. Um, polyamory is still so white but also i wonder if there is like just a culture clash there because like i have i i have talked to like people that are polyamorous and people of color not that i've dated just like people i've, I've known um, yeah that uh that like are more like uh in the latin black sort of culture like yeah like not no. like going to the sort of movies we go to like sort of different, entirely different culture and, and friend groups and everything. And they don't even necessarily seem to identify as polyamorous. They were just yes. about, like, we kind of want yes. like a third person to be, to be with, be part of our group. That's what I find a lot of this is because when I said that like more white people are polyamorous, I don't mean it like that. I mean that like, and I'm somebody who literally talks about being polyamorous and like having polyamorous identity, like all the fucking time. Yeah. But it's more of where it's like for white people, I guess I feel like they maybe they don't have as many God like other labels for themselves. They don't so they really <laughs> fucking lean into it. Yeah. And I do it, but I try I try to come from it from a place of like one, I like to be open about it just because people ask me questions and like especially Christians talk to me a lot about it and the, like just deconstructing about it. But I also wouldn't ever try to claim it as an oppressed identity really yeah you don't ever talk like about to... it that way i will say that like you yeah. only ever talk about it as like 
and like from my experience sort of way like and like because this is not a known thing here's this like yeah i never get the the identity from the idea from you like i am so depressed i'm so different from everybody else like yes yeah it's a lot of that i think whereas people want the one thing to differentiate them to other themselves and like i mean i do talk a lot about polyamory it's like i'm mostly because i like live with both my partners and like i love them and it's just exhausting to like you know explain the situation all the time and everything and i really like it and i like talking about it and like i guess being more open about it but yeah (laughs) and i definitely like i've dated people of color and like stuff like that too so but they never it was never their core identity in the way it seems to be for other some not all white polyamory people polyamorous people i know yeah i mean like i don't know I think the uh, the concept of relationship anarchy is uh, admirable, but it feels like it's generally a much more lived experience for people that aren't white. <laughs> mm. um, oh, I think it's easy. like, yeah, I mean, like, because I, I, I appreciate polyamory, like in the political context, too, of like, this is a, this is a direct challenge to this the idea of like the the nuclear family you know yeah like, it's really uh, important to me like society. i'm a christian i'm a mom and i really just trying to be like i don't know yeah it's also i, I like i have the i have the privilege to be open <laughs> yeah. about it it's right. like I, I think it's like it's a way to kind of reject the this like the atomization of of capitalism and and, and to sort of embrace like this idea of community yeah you know I think yeah, and then maybe that maybe that's why like it's uh, you know for like for people of color it's it's they they're less reliant on the specific vocabulary of it. Yeah. You know because um, like the communal aspect is something that was like you know that that they that that we well we have a history of you know yeah uh, and for maybe for white folks that's less I mean. The yeah. organization was like, you know, that's like, that's, that's from, that's, that's, that's from Europe and it was conditioned into other people, you know, like their descendants probably most severely, if anything, you know? So I think it's, in, I think it's, it's probably important for you to be able to like, to identify that, you know, as like, yeah. as specific thing as that, that goes like counter to what, like what was kind of, utilized to help facilitate capitalism which was like the like you know the atomization like the nuclear family where yes. you don't you you are only able to rely on your familial unit you know right. so, you know because every like other families are are competition you know the like the wife is the is essentially the free labor that yeah like you know <laughs> Like yeah, the, the, the gender family. roles are all reversed in my house too. I was just going to say yeah, you have these other people that inherently have to take on more responsibility because (laughs) yeah um it was it's it like in the best part is about it just it was based on like things that people were best at and like things that people wanted to do and it just i don't know really worked out really really good interesting and like yeah yeah. why not like why shouldn't you have more people in a household that want to do things instead of forcing everybody to do things they 
they don't like doing if somebody I mean, else like, likes it. I would want to live with other people going forward, even if I lost one or both partners and somehow. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm at the extreme here mm-hmm. with uh, five roommates, but <laughs> I, I wouldn't. I would like to live in like like this, like a somewhat bigger house with like at least like another couple or something, or like a polyamorous situation, like another partner. Yeah, everybody, like yeah. The- the people who I go to this weird spiritual group I go to with, some of them like live in, it's almost sort of like a monastery. They call it like <laughs> the compound. Fucking, yeah. It's, <laughs> no, they, they have like their own rooms and they have like meeting times and stuff. And they like, I think they just like do gardening and stuff. Like it's sort of a guess like a commune and they're all like, usually they're just like training for seminary. Yeah. And I've never lived in a situation like that. I think it's interesting. Oh yeah. Like, that, like one of the cool things here is like, my one roommate likes to uh, keep the garden in the back. And so mm. there's a nice garden in the back that like my cat can go walk around and sniff plants in. <laughs> but that wouldn't be there if it was just me. I like I like this idea because it's just like you know, you're you're basically challenging the definition of the family structure. Like right. the family unit. Which is patriarchal. Beyond like Yeah, which is patriarchal and it's like, you know, it's what like it's it's effectively like a blood quantum. Yeah. thing yeah you know of like it's like that's all it's based on like it's your your family is not legitimately your family unless like you share dna or or, or fucking something like you know in the eyes of the state Effe- yeah. you know effectively in the eyes of the state like you know and and it's it's it uh <laughs> it goes against our interests to like to have people really kind of think of it in more like tribal terms in more communal terms right yeah you know? matrix because societies like the whole village would take care of children like exactly yeah oh like, yeah it was and you know it was everybody's responsibility you know it wasn't just like and it wasn't just like, because like because how how you raise your children affects the future of your people yeah how you raise your children affects the safety of the other children it you know your like you like <laughs> yeah it would be insane to just be like oh that's not my problem because it's it's probably fucking gonna be yeah. Man, I read a story where like three single moms were living together with all their kids. That sounded like a good situation too. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I think that there was a uh, like a like a, a radical like like a feminist commune in Chicago or something like at, at the turn of like at the I think like at the beginning of the, like the 20th century or something where they like they basically created a commune of like. I think it was like single mothers that then they just kind of like took turns, like, you know, doing That's laundry so like, and rearing the children and stuff. I forget what it was called, hmm. but that's like, that's, but that's awesome. And that's way more, I mean, that's way more humanizing than like being legally confined to like, what's probably like an abusive relationship, like based on necessity. You yeah. Know? I, I hate when people are always like, Oh, in the old days, nobody got divorced as much. In the old days, it was yeah. They were miserable. They, they had <laughs> run out of town. Yeah, the best you could hope for is that your husband fucking died. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Doug Stanley's <laughs> have a joke about like how you get in the car with like you get in like one of those uh, shuttle vans at the, at the hotel with an older couple, and like they start describing their first date, and it's just they're just describing rape, like. Yeah. 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 Like, I mean, and if uh, either of you read um. Caliban and the Witch by Sylvia Federici. No, she uh, no. she's 
she like that book is, is fucking amazing and I, I i recommend it to anybody but it, it's You'll she it's, it's basically about how the history of like of the witch hunts and the witch trials mm. helped, uh, helped facilitate the um uh, the transition from capitalism like to capitalism from feudalism hmm. you know uh. a lot of it was like uh, a lot of it was the the familial unit that you know Engels talks about that we were just talking about and how you can't like trust they needed but your own they, family. yeah they they essentially what's up you can't trust anybody but your own family well yeah but it was also like they needed a to help facilitate like you know wage <coughs> and, and, and like commodity production um in order to get people to want to agree to essentially sell their labor you know for for however long a day for a wage yeah. Like there was this idea that they would need also to like have um, a subjugated class to like cook and clean and do the stuff that they were on. They were not going to get paid to do. Right. Mm. And so that's where the kind of the the moral conception of the familial unit, the Christian family kind of started to come into play uh, because it was they were trying to subjugate women as this this class, like, you know, as um, as basically like where the free labor is going to come from to help facilitate uh what was effectively wage slavery you know yes so um so one of the ways that they did that was through the witch trials uh to that like that helped kind of demonize these heretical sects that like that were kind of more matrilineal mm-hmm. you know or and to also uh <coughs> also like you know demonize uh women who didn't want to submit to that like strict familial structure you know like um it was a way to try to like create a docile uh you know group of people who were able to submit to free labor like while their husbands uh made like merchants rich you know that's interesting too because like i feel like when we look at uh pop culture depictions <clears throat> of more tribal cultures and uh like priest of like prehistoric times and everything, they still always project that patriarchal culture onto them uh, of the domesticated labor and everything. I think they assume, you know, before birth control, when like, you know, you just got pregnant having sex because yeah. there was no birth control, like that because like there would be separate roles for men and women that it was the same as in it was in Western culture, that right. it was the same sort of vibe. But it's, it's I think those, they just assumed. But again, it's one of the things the culture they, of culture of not cultural uh, capitalist realism is talking about, like how, huh. like just everything seems like a given. <laughs> like we just have these yeah. things burned well, into us, and they just like we can't imagine anything other than that. So that's, and if they. If, if they were to depict it otherwise, if they were to depict it as like, you know, like a matrilineal kind of structure, they would have to address that. Yeah. Because there's no way the, the like that they, they can let the audience just assume that that was a given, you know, because it's it's important for I mean, not not that this is necessarily like orchestrated in the minds of directors, but it is it's important to create the facade of like, oh, yeah, patriarchy was is a natural progression. Well, like, that's, that's patriarchy the... is natural. Like that's just obviously that it's it's unquestioned. But like if you like did your research and try to portray these like tribes or like, you know, these groups like accurately and it was a matrilineal society, you would have to address that. And I feel like a lot of times when they do address that, um, it's demonizing of sorts. Right. Uh, Midsummer is a good example. 
huh. how you know like oh. that like that's you know like that's a recent example like um where you consider that matrilineal like, <laughs> what's that you consider that matrilineal i wouldn't necessarily say it's matrilineal um but it, i mean it's it it seemed it seemed that way it didn't seem mm. necessarily uh patriarchal and that there was like a like it didn't you know like i i wasn't entirely sure like i mean there was like the like the, the division of labor yeah but it didn't it didn't seem like um like i didn't think that the women weren't in uh like roles of authority right roles of power you know right it seemed it seemed communal in that respect hmm. you know i don't think that it was matriarchal you know right but I a lot people... of these were just kind of like had made more of a horizontal um hierarchical structure there was sort of flirts with matriarchy but like not like actual matriarchy but like a patriarchal matriarchy with having like burning the ex-boyfriend and the, all the men and like the woman gets all the flowers and everything gets to be special for the day and <laughs> I mean, I think like I, I would say that their beliefs are probably very gendered, you know. Yeah. But um, all, all I'm saying is like it seems like uh, Ari Fisher, whatever his name is, um, Ari Aster. Yeah, Ari Aster. Yeah, he seemed to take like a like a Rush Limbaugh approach to matriarchy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but but also, I mean, but like, I mean, they were very explicit in how their child rearing was. Mm -hmm. You know, they were very explicit in. Um, presenting, I mean, like that's that's the whole, you know, that's like one of the most apparent motifs in the movie <laughs> is that um, this is a different conception of a family, mm -hmm. you know, and um, you know, for the main character who's, you know, uh, who, who whose traditional family structure is ju has just collapsed completely, right. you know, it shows that this can be enticing. But it's also it's demonizing because the suggestion is like to what end? To what end is this familial structure, you know, because it seems like it's only substantiated, it's only like it can only be sustained on bloodshed. Yeah. I'm I'm getting kind of it. I don't think that Ari Aster made an anti communist critique like, like <laughs> diatribe, but like But again, um, like from a capitalist realist like, you know, semblance, it's you know, it like things that are foreign, these foreign like these foreign ways of um, of child rearing of society, you know, are like kind of seen as alien. Yeah, yeah. It's hard. To, it's it's hard to contend with that because you can't. If I feel like if you were to just willingly endorse something like that, you you would also be seen as maybe a degenerate. Right. You know. So like you have to give like this that kind of like spineless liberal like this is bad but this is also bad thing <laughs> you know oh man there's just no no nuance at all among liberals that's why they always have to be like cuba is bad and yeah it's just cowardice like it's just yeah. they, <laughs> you know it's like that it's always sunny line like i'm playing both sides so i always come out on top <laughs> like their their position as the the like um, as having the most moral position. Oh, yeah, by not like, having one, yeah. It, like that is that's that's everything to them. That's yeah. like the most important thing. I follow a liberal account on Twitter, just like honestly, just to see what they're up to. Just this, like, it's nobody famous, so I'm not going to say her name, but like, um, 
she was saying that, like, you know, Nancy Pelosi dropped this line, like, why are, are they, you know, doing Eve? What was it? The tweet that got railed, Rob? She was like, she was like, why, you know, are they, Congress is leaving and like, we're doing the, like the eviction moratorium right now or whatever. And everyone was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like you were part of that shit. Yeah, right. right. She she pretended she didn't know. She pretended she didn't know that this was all fucking. It's clear that nobody talked about it at all. In and any so, chamber. yeah, and some Republicans said some some fucking snarky comment like Nancy Pelosi is full of shit, like whatever, just insulted her, some base bullshit incident. And this girl is like, nobody is respecting Nancy Pelosi's position. And how dare this Republican name call Nancy Pelosi? I'm like, really? Is that your fucking concern? And not the fact yeah. that this woman is just like removed herself from like her responsibility yeah it's all aesthetics right. and she's a fucking landlord like she like yeah. literally profits off sure. of this like of the housing crisis oh yeah i'm sure she oh i didn't know that she was a landlord yeah she made like nine million dollars this fucking year i'm sure she's uh it's like opera robberies not going to I, I mean i'm sure it's like the fucking uh eichmann thing mm. of like she's removed enough that she's not directly involved in pushing people out of her home so she doesn't feel any responsibility for it but like no i, I think she actively wants that to happen i think it's yeah. a coordinated like a, attack i don't think it's like or it's that's out of my hands i mean i think that's, a, that's that? a, i think a large part about like the evil in capitalism is just indifference i mean like that's what we saw with the banality of evil with eichmann um it's like yeah i was just doing my job just do it pushing the numbers i don't i mean yeah those people that i'm the numbers were people and those people died but yeah. like it's just like but you can't like but you can't have that indifference without actively benefiting from it either you know like yeah but, like but you're you, you're effectively bought off but it's the like it's, it, 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 it it's, costs money to like to make somebody indifferent to your pain it's the trolley scenario though though because like they're not the one pulling the lever so they don't care because like they're removed enough and they can do enough other good things that they feel like it balances it out <laughs> But they never do the good things. No, like, I know. But like, like in their it's mind, just, it's, it's, in their mind, doing yeah. the work, like the intention is the good thing. I mean, it's like, I mean, what did she say about George Floyd? That he sacrificed <clears throat> his life for the betterment of society. Yeah. Oh, my fucking God. Thank you, George Floyd, for being lynched effectively. Yeah. You know, like you did good. Yeah. There, it's, it's not like, about it's yeah. not about actually doing anything. It's about uh, just intention and busy work that's like, that's the thing like that's that's why i'm saying like their their ideals is what anchor them it's an idealist thing like as long as they feel like they're pursuing this idea of liberty and freedom and equality and stuff there's no you don't have to provide receipts for that type of shit you know you don't have to you don't, <coughs> you don't need concrete evidence there's no material you don't have to show how you're materially benefiting these this idea of equality and freedom and you know because that none of that that doesn't fucking mean anything you know like so like they're 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 a lot more concerned about being moral and being ethical and being in a position where they can say what's right and what's wrong than they are with things of like that's why they do better when like how do we how do we like yeah like it's that's why they do uh, better when they're not in fucking power right because, mm-hmm. yeah, what they say... Because it's so it's easy. When you're not All in power, they, they rally around impeachment. Trump era was like... Yeah, yeah, Trump era was like the fucking peak time for, like, liberals. It was like... Yeah. 
no self-awareness yeah. I mean, and like every time Bush. every exactly time a conservative would say like oh this happened under obama too it was like like they it was like they would have no response or they would just like fucking dilly it away like oh but it's worse under trump now yeah, and the people, next guy will not do it people will get yeah. people will get mad at me for saying like so how are we gonna hold biden accountable and you're like are you saying that biden's as bad as trump and i was like no i'm saying if no, I, we're yeah. going to yeah. I, we're going he's to, fucking worse. Like, yeah. that's the thing. He's fucking worse. <laughs> I don't know if he's worse, but he's like he's like like literally by every metric, he's fucking worse. Like well, you he's know, doing more like, good things, I think, but he's also still I doing all I, bad things. I didn't get a dime from Biden. You didn't. I didn't get a I didn't get a fucking dime from Biden. Well, he's got the child all your care Trump, tax. all your checks were signed by Donald Trump. Yeah. yeah. Well, he did. The, yeah. He, I mean, he, Biden let my shit lapse. I don't want to I be don't... like the nihilist. He he did do the child the child tax credit where families are getting three hundred dollars per kid a month. No, now. I call that the Mitt Romney tax credit because Mitt Romney switching to the Democrat side is the only reason it happened. Wait, I thought he voted against it. No, he was like part of it. I think like Mitt like I remember he I proposed know. it, but I thought he voted means, against that it. That means ultimately. people in Utah are gonna get a shit ton of money with all those fucking kids. But no, but I, I all I know is Bernie Sanders said no Republicans voted for it. Is that I mean, true? If you just, I, my if you just, if you just look know. at the amounts of bloodshed that's that Biden has caused throughout his political career, oh, on yeah. particularly black people and brown people, yeah, it's unmatched. Well, overall, it's unmatched by yeah. Trump. I was talking about the presidential well, terms, but yeah, overall. Biden. I mean, no. but, but that's the thing. Like, I, I'm, I, I'm not willing to say like, oh, that was before his presidential term. Like, this is the motherfucker that got in the office. Yeah, like fair that's enough. it. And it's not like he's like, you know. It'd be one thing if he got in office and then cleaned the slate and did something about it, but that's that's fucking impossible because like that's how he got to office in the first place was like through white supremacy, effectively white just white supremacist imperialism. Yeah. I don't know about like for me having grown up in conservative culture, like I know how fucking empowering and awful and just all the rhetoric, really the rhetoric of Trump. I mean, it's not as bad as policy, but it was really empowering for a lot of bad people. Oh, I imagine. I will, I will say, though, that I saw a tweet yesterday that made me think it was probably true, and it was like, man, we had a better chance of moving Trump to the left than Biden. <laughs> I think we're going to no, come absolutely. off the podcast there. I, I, 